I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out... One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, 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 what's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to Thursday's show, week six, week seven. We're here, we're in the twilight zone of my favourite time of the week for fantasy football, around 7.30pm British summertime, or of which, yeah, we're still BST at the moment. So, if you're joining us from east of the world, further into the night, west behind us in the day, welcome in, welcome all. As you can see, if you're watching, please do come and watch us. We are live across certainly YouTube, math, Twitter, or X, as uh, Elon Musk would now have it called. Where is there anywhere else? Twitch, Facebook. We're on Twitch. Facebook, no, Twitch. Facebook. Okay, not Twitch. Facebook. Excellent. So, yeah, do hit the like and subscribe button. Do come and watch because sometimes we do some funny stuff that you can't see <laughs> on the audio versions. Big man, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, been a long week. Uh, was in Manchester earlier in the week. Um, so, yeah, was crazy doing uh, wave of wire. Uh, <laughs> the Wave of Wire podcast uh, in a hotel room. Um, it was right next to Old Trafford. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a strange week. It's always strange when I hit the road um, and I'm not home as much as I normally am. So, uh, But it's good to be home uh, in the home environment. Good to be here with you, good sir. Um, and it's just good talking to the – good talking strategy. This is my favourite part of the fantasy season because – you have enough data to know who's good and who isn't from a player perspective and a team perspective. Um, if you've had a really bad start, this is kind of like the last point where you can really kind of make actionable change to still make the playoffs. Um, and then if you're doing really well, then you can start to get a little bit excited about the playoffs and start getting into strategic thinking. So 
the next, I think the next two to three weeks are where leagues are won and lost. Not exclusively, but I think there's a good percentage of leagues that could be won in the next couple of weeks with the kind of strategic moves that they make uh, in teams. So did a strategy pod that went live um, literally not even two hours ago, about an hour and a half ago. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that before you're listening to this, that's absolutely fine. Um, but definitely go back and listen to it with a uh, pen and paper or a spreadsheet or something in front of you uh, or note doc to take some notes because there's a lot of useful stuff. It's the most requested show I do every year um, about sort of uh, roster construction and uh, strength of schedule stuff. So, yeah, a lot of useful notes. It's half an hour long. So it's worth doing. And I do a more in-depth version on the Patreon. So uh, if you want, if you really liked it and want to get into more detail, then uh, yes, uh, join the Patreon one pound a month, patreon.com forward slash five hour rush and uh, pound a month. So if you think between now and January, that's four pounds. It's not even a price of a pint and you can get podcast content like that, that will help you win a ship. So um, definitely sign up to that. Um, and actually, before we start, there is something I do need to say. Um, I haven't put it in the show doc, so it's going to be a bit of a shock to you, Doc. Um, it's just regarding um, a lot of stuff that's happened online uh, on the in the community in the last uh, seven to ten days or so with regards to charity competitions, and in particular about um, somebody who used to write for the college side for a short period of time, who then started his own fantasy competition for the Dogs Trust and then reneged on the prize for the winner. Um, Really disappointing that that happened. Um, We obviously have no affiliation with this person. We have no affiliation with them for over a year now, I think it is. Um, So I'm not going to trawl the name through the mud. I just want to make it really clear that um, at the time of him starting the competition, it wasn't necessarily with our endorsement or through our platform that that happened. Um, And it has no affiliation with us. Um, I feel really sorry for the winner. And I think there is going to be something that will be done in the community to compensate that person who won and was not given the prize, which was two tickets to the Titans uh, Ravens game. Um, I know there's more commotion. I know some people are trying to drag the situation out. I'm not going to really dignify too much of a response either side. Um, the only things I'm going to say on this are one, that person has no affiliation with us and has had no affiliation with us for well over a year. Um, and anything that was done at the time of him doing a charity event had absolutely nothing to do with us and did not come with any co-endorsement or anything like that. So that's the first thing I will say. I probably retweeted it as a show of support, um, but that's not a necessary sign of endorsement. I want to make that really clear. Second of all, I wrote a post last week um, saying that if you see these leagues come up and that's either leagues or charity leagues, and you're not sure on the person who's running it, or you think like, I want to join, but I don't know who these people are feel free to message me. And I put a list of uh, people in the community, which I trust 100%. I've met, I know them. I feel confident in them delivering a charity experience or league um, and have absolutely no qualms or issues about how they would run a league or charity league. Um, But you can use, you can cite me, you can go to them. Um, There's enough people in the community you can talk to 
to make sure that the league you're joining is legit. If people are asking you to donate money via PayPal or via a bank account, um, my strongest urging is to not do that. Um, just because the, you've got absolutely zero protection. There have been some cases where people have wanted to donate to the FFCC and I have given them my PayPal details and then I have paid the um, money via my account to uh, the charity page because there were some international issues where money wasn't clearing, uh, but I always wrote their name, not my name on the donation. So it was very transparent of what was donated. And that's a very rare instance. I think it's happened three times in three years that four, four times in three years that's happened. So it doesn't, not something I ever choose to do uh, often, nor an option I want to take. Um, but in, I'm not saying that people shouldn't play for money. Um, but if you're going to set up like a pay, first of all, uh, leagues run over PayPal where there's revenue collection is actually against PayPal's terms and conditions. So there is just a chance that the money could be completely frozen. So um, just be a bit careful of that. Um, I think small stakes and friends and family stuff, and it's like one league, I don't think that's going to crop up. And if you know everyone in it, that's absolutely fine. Just be really careful. Same with bank transfers. If you transfer money to somebody and they don't pay out, you've got zero protection. So typically there are sites where you can, uh, the money could be held, uh, league safe, um, and there's a couple of others out there uh, that can be used. So just be a bit careful. Um, and if you don't know the people, please get in touch with me, get in touch with, I, I wrote a list of like uh, Rich Dynasty Island, get in touch with Tom Strachan, uh, get in touch with guys at the Warrior Bowl, get in touch with uh, Matt Cullen, get in touch with uh, even some of the players like Martin, the lucky fantasy guy who plays in a lot of leagues, get in touch with those sorts of people who can validate who these people are. And if none of us have ever heard of them, then show a bit of caution. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying I know everyone, so that's why I give a list of people. So that is uh, another one. And then third is, this leads on to our mid-season elimination competition. Um, so I teased it earlier. It's launched today. Um, I'll, we'll put details in the show notes. Um, same competition we ran last year. It's going to kick off hopefully by week eight, but it depends on whether drafts are done. If not, it might be week nine. Um, and then basically every week, at least one, and then as we get nearer to the end, two uh, teams will get eliminated. It's a £5 donation. It is a mandatory minimum donation to our charity page. All the information is in the form in terms of it's played on sleeper. Um, people that are worried about charity leagues, um, it's the second year we've done this. The first one, uh, the winner was Martin at Lucky Fantasy Guy. He posted the jersey, he won. So, um, there is proof that we do pay out on prizes. Um, so again, we have a long history of paying out on prizes. There's enough people that will validate that we do that and appreciate that people now will have a slight more concern due to an individual, and it's not unfortunately the first individual that has scammed people in this uh, space. Um, so although he, I don't, it wasn't for personal gain because that money did go directly to charity, it required a direct charity link. That's the only saving grace in this story is that there was no profit made off this as far as I'm aware. Um, I think it was just, uh, uh, I don't know what was going through this person's head to not give, to not pay out on the prize, but not for me to to know, um, but just to say that we do pay out on prizes. I've made it very clear what the prize scale is when we reach uh, minimum thresholds of people. So if there's 30 people, there's one prize. Uh, 
40 to 49 people, two prizes, 50 plus, there'd be three prizes. So, you know, it's very clear. Um, there is a prize sort of scale. Um, and none of the money that's donated goes towards prizes because it's all directed. We only direct you directly to the charity. We don't collect any of that money. So the money comes out of our, the prizes come out of our pocket. So just FYI. So that's, we do this to raise money for charity and we pay the price out of our own pocket. So, I just went, that was a long spiel and I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just went, I think it's really important to be transparent about these sorts of things. Um, and especially as this person did once upon a time have an affiliation to us, I wanted to be really transparent about everything um, regarding that. Uh, but I'm done. Draw a line. It's finished in my book. Um, but I just wanted to be really clear and uh, honest and transparent about it. There you have it. Perfect stuff. Murph, harking back to your trip to Manchester for your conference gig? What, what was it? it? Was an conference. expo? It was, conference. Yeah, it was, it was at the Lowry Theatre. So um, it was uh, uh, an exhibition for content uh, writers and providers in the higher education space. Okay, that's niche. It's outside of my uh, comfort zone, if I'm honest. But you did send me a picture of you with the Gruffalo, and I did notice that in that picture with the Gruffalo, your beard was looking on point, and I'm assuming, Murph, that's because you took Handyman from Manscaped with you on your journey to Manchester. I absolutely did. Uh, as soon as so I used it uh, the day of the conference, used it that morning, gave myself a fresh tidy up, so I was uh, ship-shape and sharp for the conference. So, yes, use the Handyman. Love it um really it cuts a lot closer than i actually thought it would i thought it would leave me with some stubble but it actually gets rid of all the stubble which i was quite surprised with um without that razor burn feeling that you get when you use those automated tools and they get a bit a bit close so um yeah i was really impressed with the handyman i've got to admit it was a, an excellent tool and it's it's not too loud but it's very powerful and that's the best thing about it <laughs> Quiet and powerful. They are Manscaped. You yeah. can use that one. Um, no, absolutely. I will admit I am slightly lazy with my stubble control, so it does occasionally struggle when I get to a week's worth of neck hair and go, oh, no, I need to uh, I need to use the lawnmower to just take it down beforehand or the hedge trimmer because we have been blessed to have been provided with either. But I do find that the hedge trimmer is slightly unnecessary when just trimming my neck. It's a bit, it's a hammer to crash in the crush an egg shall we say so yeah like the lawnmower gets the neck and then the handyman just tidies up for that box fresh feeling but if you do want to be box fresh rush nation coming up to christmas order yourself or your partner one of these from manscaped.com use the code five yard at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping go get that box fresh look for the upcoming christmas parties murph okay right what did you learn about week six come on intrigue me originally had three but then i put an extra one in here um first of all um let's talk about the tennessee titans right so the tennessee titans they're on by this week so a bit of a strange time to talk about them but this was really shocking they uh only ran 46 plays <laughs> on sunday which is just is, wild only, only 21 of them passes that, what's an average amount of plays for people who don't know how many plays are done on a weekly Really, realistically, a team should be running somewhere around the 55-ish mark as a sort of line in the sand. I'd say 55 is kind of like, 
what you would expect normally. Um, the good offense. So we're talking. Well, the good offenses are running about 65 plus. Okay, so if you think, I don't know, what's an average touchdown drive? About eight, nine plays, something like that, to go 75 yards of distance from a kickoff return. Yeah. And so you're talking uh, some, that's almost three series of plays that they're not playing against the good teams if you think they're playing 21 more plays than the Titans did on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, so some, there's some context to this. So if you are a hyper, if you have a day where you're hyper efficient, where you've got, uh, for example, um, the Dolphins are, yeah, the Dolphins sometimes are a bit hyper efficient and have really short drives, but they have, they seem to, because they're, they seem to generate a lot of drives, uh, they seem to generate a lot of plays. But actually, um, you get offenses that can be quite efficient with the ball and therefore, um, don't necessarily have high drive counts or get into a huge lead. And then as a result, kind of things slow down um, and slow down the time of play and therefore slow down the amount of plays that they run because they're trying to burn clock. So if you think you're ahead by quite a significant amount, you'll run less plays because actually you're trying to eat clock. You're trying to really slow the game down. You're really trying to, you know, you're taking more time. If you think you're 40, 40 second designated, clock to run a play if the clock is running you'll eat more plays so there is a bit of context that's not really necessarily what happened with the titans here um it's quite a low amount for a team it's a really low amount for a team um there there has to be some context don't forget they lost the game so typically when you find a team that are losing a game and they were trailing for all of that game pretty much you would expect the offense to go into some form of hurry-up offense, especially as they only lost by one score. You would expect the team to uh, run more plays. So the fact they didn't, it shows it shows a couple of things to me. And it's the reason that it kind of surprised me was given the nature of the game, um, the fact they didn't throw a lot of passes when trading, when trading in the game pretty much all the way through. That was a, a shock to me. Um but then also just the extreme number of plays, considering they're in a negative game script. It says to me that there is some issues. Um, they might get right on the bye week, but it also says to me that they need to, one of the things they're going to need to do coming out of the bye, if they want to contend, is they're going to need to run more plays. They're going to need to think of ways that you can run more plays. Um, Philadelphia, for example, uh, realized that going for it on like four from one, for example, and the brotherly shove and all this malarkey, that's a way that you generate more plays. You sustain longer drives. You generate more plays. Another way you can do it is go no huddle. We saw this in a Super Bowl with Sean McVay uh, going no huddle to generate more plays. Yes, okay, when they got there, they didn't generate much offense, but they ran a lot of plays. Um, they just came up against a really good defense. There's a few ways that you can generate more plays. The Titans need to think of a way that they, they can and should do that. Um, that was something that really just sort of shocked me. Um, the second, and this is just absolutely baffling. If you've not watched the last quarter of the, the Washington Commanders and the Falcons game, I have no idea. I have no idea what is going on with Arthur Smith and the Falcons right now. And it's not because I'm a Bucks fan and find it funny to laugh at the, at the Falcons, <laughs> although I do. But I'm genuinely mystified as to what they're doing as a team. Like, I, it genuinely like boggles my mind. So, I'll give you an example. They're down eight. Um, so one score. They need to tie the game with a two point conversion. They get um, 
as his second goal, second and goal, or third and goal. I think it was third and goal. It was a third and goal, needing to go three yards, and they don't know what play they're going to run, and they and they t- and their false start, and you're sitting there like in the one situation the game is pretty much on the line here, and you false start. Like I don't understand how that's possible. Like surely you know what play you're going to run, and they had no clue, and then that was baffling. So they get the false start. So they go back five yards, right? So then you think, surely by now it's third and third and eight to go, and surely you think by now they know what they're going to run. They've just taken forty seconds. Yes, okay, the play difference is down and distance is different. They then nearly false start again. They literally run the clock to the zero, and they're losing. Don't forget, they can't really burn clock. They shouldn't be burning clock. They're losing, and then Desmond Ritter. They they did not know what play they were running. Desmond Ritter's running around like a headless chicken. He has no idea what he's doing. He lost the ball in the midair. It gets intercepted. Right? It's absolutely baffling that that happens. I don't understand what was going on in that moment of madness. And you think, okay, that's really bad. Maybe that's just one series. It all got a bit weird, whatever. They make the stop, the Falcons D, who were very good in this game. They did not deserve to lose this game, the Falcons D. Get the stop. Then they get the ball back. And they have no idea what they're running as an offense. There just is no communication between, and if there is, it's confusing between the quarterback and the coach and the and the play caller, because you've got offensive linemen not lined up in the right formation. You've got um, players in motion, unknowing where they're going to go. You, it just was baffling, like to watch them sitting there, like they Desmond Ritter has absolutely no idea where he's going to put the ball. And people want to sit here and kill Desmond Ritter, and he didn't play particularly well in this game, and he hasn't played that well all season. But in it, this is this is where I'm going to spring to the defense of Desmond Ritter here. If you watch that last quarter, that's all coaching, because there's absolutely no way Desmond Ritter would have been perfect, would have been better off ripping the mic out of his helmet or the speaker, whatever it is, and just gone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gone rogue. He would have been better off because there was, there was some breakdown in communication between the coaching staff and Ritter. It was taking him far too long to get the instruction. It was causing confusion in the game, and they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. And it was just, it, it's honestly for a team, it, for a professional sports team that is coached day in, day out, it was absolutely mind-boggling to watch, that there was just absolutely no clarity as to what was going on. Like, it was baffling, absolutely baffling. And they only lost the game by eight. 
And they had three possessions to tie the game and failed on all three. So it's just shocking. So um, I definitely recommend watching that. If you've got um, uh, DAZN or NFL Plus or whatever, just go and watch the last quarter of that game and you'll understand what I mean. It is definitely worth watching just to see the breakdown in communication because that's what people don't see. It's what you don't see in the box score. People will look at that and go, Desmond Ritter was poor. And he, listen, he wasn't great. I'm not sitting here saying that Desmond Ritter deserves better, you know. But I, I do think that it's very harsh to punish him solely in this game because there was a lot of conflicting information. And I would love to hear the honest breakdown in the Falcons' facility on Monday or Tuesday, whenever they had this. Because I'd love to know what happened. Because it is, it is a breakdown that's going live publicly and it's just baffling to me. So that really shocked me. Um, they, were, they were, they were terrible in London. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I think you want to sit here and you want to blame the players on the field. And, and I think the players on the field deserve some culpability. Do not get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying that Desmond Ritter has, has been excellent in spite of everything, you know, far from it. But I don't think he is being put in an environment to succeed. I genuinely believe that the coaching on that team is horrifically bad at times. I'm not saying all the time because they're three and three. At the end of the day, they've won three games this season. You cannot sit here and say that they are the worst coach team in the NFL. But there were just moments in games where it all goes to pot. It just all go, it all goes. It just completely goes away. And for me, that defense single-handedly is keeping them in games. That defense is a very, very, it's a top five defense in the league. It is really, really well coached. It's well drilled. The issues are all on the offensive side of the ball. If you remember our conversations a few weeks ago, when we talk about Brandon Staley, we were saying, hey, on your side of the ball, if you're the head coach and it's your side of the ball, that's the issue. You're not going to last very long. Arthur Smith is an offensive-minded coach. He was originally a tight ends coach, offensive coordinator, now a head coach. He's an offensive-minded coach. There isn't much wrong with that defensive side of the ball. It, yes, it could be better. I think any unit in the in the league could be better. But ultimately, I think that's a top five, top six defensive unit in the league. Or it's very close. It's not beyond the door in that range. I don't think the defense was not the reason this team lost this game. It was purely on the offense. So, you know, for me... If you're the head coach and it's your side of the ball that stinks, you're going to struggle to keep your job at the end of the season. Arthur Smith will struggle to keep his job if they don't win the NFC South. And realistically, that defense should be challenging in the NFC South. And they're not far behind. They're a game and a half or whatever it is. I don't know all the... Game and a half. It's a a game or it's half a game. It's because the Bucs have played a game less. So it's like... It's three, three and two versus three and three. So it's maybe not a whole game. It's like... 0.75. 0.75. I don't know how it works. Um, so, yeah. Did the, uh, did the Falcons not have their bye then after the London game? No. No, they didn't. That's unusual. No. Yeah, it is. But they probably didn't want the early bye, which makes sense. I wouldn't want the early bye. So, yeah. It's, uh, and they won after London. So, they it did. did work in their favour. And then they lost last week. So, they're 3-3. Three and three. They win, they lose. They win, they lose. They win, they lose. That's kind of their, their pattern. And I think there's just some coaching elements. Anyway, that that shocked me just to watch that. And I would recommend any football fan to just go and get the last 30 minutes. Well, if you get it on, uh, I would ideally probably look to get it 
the whole game, but if not, try and watch it in 40 and just see the breakdowns in, in what I mean there. Um, let's talk about uh, Washington, right? So they've had a weird amount of praise for their offense this season because of Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I think their offense at time is good and their offensive time is not very good. Um, same game. I thought their offense was efficient. Um, what I like about them is they take risks, which is I think is is good. It's entertaining. Um, defense is pretty decent. Um, not the best defensive unit in this particular game, but they were they were decent. Um, you know, they picked off Desmond Ritter three times. I wouldn't say necessarily that they were all deserving um, of the result of brilliant defensive play as opposed to just breakdowns in the offense was responsible for at least one, if not two of those picks. But the one thing that's really interesting with Washington is for the season, Washington at 8%, um, their passing rate is 8% over expected. So what we mean by that is that um, in situations where you would expect them to run the ball, i.e. in games that they're winning, they're still heavily passing the ball. Uh, maybe like third and like second and short where you would expect them to run the ball. They're passing the ball. And I point like I point this to the fact that there's two reasons why this is relevant. One, if you're an owner of Antonio Gibson in fantasy football, this really kills him because there's enough of a role for Brian Robinson Jr. There isn't enough role for two of them because they're heavily invested in throwing the football. Um, so when you look at that, it's really fascinating to see that they're throwing the ball a lot more. They trust Sam Howell immensely in this offense to throw the ball. They would rather throw the football. I find that fascinating that they are leaning heavily on the pass. They're the second highest team in the NFL with passing rate over expected. So that is interesting. Um, and then also what's really interesting is you would expect a team that is so heavily invested in the pass to have a lot of fantasy relevant wide receivers or fantasy relevant offense uh, weapons. And they kind of do because you have um, Terry McLaurin. We'll get into this a little bit later, but you've got Terry McLaurin and then you've got um, Logan Thomas, top 12 tight end. And then you've got Curtis Samuel, who's a top 26, 25 wide receiver, right? So he's in that range. just outside the wide receiver too, but he's kind of there or thereabouts. But weirdly, there's no role for John Dotson. It's just not there. And I said this at the start of the season, like, I don't get all this love for John Dotson that everyone has. This, this whole irrational love that he is a phenomenal athlete and player. I've never seen it. Um, he had an outrageous touchdown rate last season. I think he caught seven touchdowns off like 40 reception or 40 targets or something like that. I, I have to go look up the number, but it was mind bogglingly like skewed that his touchdown rate was just ridiculous. Um, I think actually, no, it was seven touchdowns off like 40% of his targets or 40% of his catches, which is just mental. So, um, what's interesting is. Roles for Brian Robinson Jr., for Terry McLaurin, for Logan Thomas, for Curtis Samuel. No role for Jahan Dotson. In fact, he was practicing today with the um, special teams unit. Oh, dear. Which kind of tells you that, hey, if you're a Jahan Dotson owner, it's time to get out. Um, 35 I, you know, I receptions. No, 35 receptions. Okay, 35 receptions, seven touchdowns. Yeah. That's a ridiculous, <laughs> that's a ridiculous rate. Um, to be scoring touchdowns at. It's never going to happen again. Like, you don't score touchdowns at that kind of rate unless you're in the single-digit receptions. So that's what I mean. It was never... I never saw... I I said at the start of the season when Terry McLaurin went down, I said, I'd rather invest in Curtis Samuel than Jahar Dotson. I think he's the one 
with the skill set. Um, and actually, I've just written a column for Fantasy Pros. Uh, it's not live yet. Look for it in the next day or so. Um, but I've written it, submitted it. Um, that Curtis Samuel's matchup this week is one of the top three matchups for me that I would be looking to exploit. So if Curtis Samuel is on your uh, free agency list right now, I'd be picking him up. He's available in over half a leagues. I'd be investing in him. I'd be picking him up. I'd be playing him this week in the flex. Again, he's a top 26 wide receiver right now. 25, I think he is. He's kind of there or thereabouts with Calvin Ridley. That's, this is how good he's sneakily having the quite a good season that no one is talking about. And I don't quite understand it. Um <laughs> So Jahar Dotson can go away. Um, it's all about Kurt Samuel right now, and he's got a great matchup this week, so exploit that. And then the last one was just, we talked about replacement players last week. Um, we did quite a piece on it. We did a separate podcast, and we did this. And we said, go and get replacement-level players. Obviously, a lot of things happened in the last week. We saw a <laughs> lot of injuries, um, which we won't recap them all because we don't have that much more time. But in terms of... Uh, what did surprise me was Jordan Mason over Eliza Mitchell, and he was very good. So Jordan Mason is the guy to own in San Francisco, not um, Eliza Mitchell. So make sure you go and get Jordan Mason uh, where you can. They are the things that sort yeah. of surprised me this week. Except, except you can't get him because everyone has got on board the crazy injury panic station at the waivers and. Yeah, I don't know. What is his ownership rate? Let's have a look. His ownership rate on Sleeper is not as high as you would think. 43%. So he's available in over half the leagues. But I don't know how accurate that ownership... I'm not saying the number is incorrect, but of the leagues he's been picked up in, I guess only either teams that are really running back needy or the Christian McCaffrey owner would pick him up. Not necessarily. Maybe there's leagues where he just hasn't been picked up because people don't need that I think, depth. I, I think if it wasn't a week seven by Mageddon, and there's quite a lot of teams on by where teams probably don't feel comfortable to pick him up this week because they need the rest of their bench in order to play. And there's players that can't drop. And it's probably quite shallow bench leagues. If Christian McCaffrey and also Christian McCaffrey is not going to be out that long, he has a chance to play this weekend. If Christian McCaffrey plays this weekend and obviously the value goes down on Jordan Mason, that's not a bad thing because we know we said we know what Christian McCaffrey's like. He does get injured most years. So it's and most people in the position tend to get injured, right? So it's not a bad thing if Christian McCaffrey comes back because I'd still be picking up Jordan Mason. I'd be looking for players with high. I talked about this literally an hour and a half ago that I'd be talking about picking up players that have a high ceiling, Rico Dowdle, um, Jordan Mason. You know, these are the players that for me, we talked about fading Demacado. Ingram is kind of, yeah, he's all right, but he's not someone I'm desperate to go out there and own. Jamal Williams is back tonight. He's a player I'm not desperate to go out and own. That New Orleans rushing offense is pretty poor. You know, I'm not convinced that, having the backup in New Orleans is something I really want part of because we've seen it. We've seen it this season. Alvin Kamara didn't play for three games and all those players were pretty poor. They weren't fantasy <laughs> relevant. It's the same in New York. Brees Hall, absolutely must own. Behind him, it's a committee. I don't want Dalvin Cook. I don't want um, Michael Carter. They all cannibalize each other. Right? They're all going to gonna run a committee. So I'm not interested. The offense isn't good enough to sustain that. 
So I'm not interested in that. You know, we talked about Ronnie Rivers as someone you should own. Okay, Ronnie Rivers should have been in line for a massive week this week because Kyron Williams got injured and then Ronnie Rivers got injured. So now you've got the Zach Evans audition route. Now, this is interesting because if, let's say, Kyron Williams looks like he's going to be out multiple weeks. Ronnie Rivers might be back. Not this week. He's kind of questionable, not likely. But he could be back next week. If Zach Evans does not perform this week to the level, and keep in mind, he's the running back three on this roster. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason he is behind Ronnie Rivers. Before anyone gets into the whole, oh, well, he's got the seat now, he's got the opportunity, he 100% does. And if he has a great week, he'll hold on to the seat. If he has a poor week, as we saw with Dion Jackson in week one, with the Dion Jackson versus Zach Moss scenario, guess what's going to happen? Zach Williams is, or Zach Evans is going to go back. Ronnie uh, Ronnie Rivers is going to be the guy that will be ahead of Zach Evans. So as I said on the waiver show, just be a bit cautious with your fab on him. Yes, he's got the great opportunity right now, but he could just as likely fumble that opportunity. And so keep an eye on the player. Like Ronnie Rivers is a player I'd still keep an eye on if if you can because. Um, he's the guy who could ascend into that situation in a week's time. What about now, before we move off the Rams, then uh, Daryl Henderson, obviously he's, he's been activated from the, to the practice squad. If, if Ronnie Rivers is injured for longer than we think, and Zach Evans is just poor, Henderson does know the offense. Is there a chance he sees some work? Well, no, because they signed Royce Freeman first. <laughs> Well, that's true. Like, that's that's how little they value Darrell Henderson. Like, let's keep in mind, Darrell Henderson was drafted by the Rams, had the position at the Rams, didn't do very well at the Rams, got cut by the Rams, and didn't get signed by anybody. And now yeah. he's back at the Rams. Like, for me, I'm not owning Darrell Henderson. I'm not owning Royce Freeman. I don't care. They don't. They don't matter to me. There was a lot of signings this week. People were like, "Oh, let's get excited." Julio Jones is back in the NFL. Like, let's go and buy Julio Jones. He's in Philly. It's going to be amazing. No, you don't need Julio Jones. He's not going to get the ball much. Like, he's not. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't peak Julio Jones. I watched him in Tampa a couple of years ago. The guy is pretty much done. He's a useful receiver to have in big situations, but he's not going to get big target volume. He'll get the odd catch here or there. But 165,000 people in the world have added Julio Jones to their roster this week. Mind-boggling. Nicole Hardman gets traded to Kansas City. So Kansas City let him go and have traded him back for a late pick swap because he's not being used in the Jets' offense. Half a million, Over half a million people have added Nicole Hardman to their roster this week. Like, he wasn't fantasy relevant when he was there the first time. He's not going to be fantasy relevant now. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. Just because they traded, right. through, they traded a late, power, a late round pick swap. That's basically free. He's basically gone right. to them for back for free. I am actually starting Miko Hardman this week in a deep dynasty league because there's no one on the waivers. I've got so many players on buy. I don't want to drop anybody. And I had Miko Hardman from his Chiefs days. Never got rid of him because it's a deep dynasty league. Okay. And my situation is so bad. I'm actually starting him this week. Okay. Well, expect him to get one fantasy point. That's about the ceiling. So, like, I just better than I just, nothing. I mean, he could get nothing. I just, don't, I just don't understand it. Like, he is. I'm looking at plays that are getting added this week, and I'm just like, I don't get how he is getting added so much. Like, I don't get it. 
I don't get how Mikhail Harbin is now rostered in 15% of the leagues. Julio Jones is rostered in 15%. It's like the new shiny thing. Quick, let's get these guys before anyone else does. You're just throwing money into a money pit. Doink. Doink. Yeah. It's literally just, you, you're just chucking your money away signing these players and you're chucking a roster spot away. And it's all about, you cannot sign players who have a low ceiling unless there is a really specific reason. Um, you just can't. It's just, you're just chucking it away. There's no point. So, yeah, I'm massively against adding players like that to your roster. I'm massively against having players like Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, who are just name legacy players to your roster. They're just roster clogs, and you're going to drop them in a week or two. So just get get rid now and try and do something about it. That's kind of what the pod is about earlier. Uh, I don't mention that many specific players. The Patreon, I mention a lot more specific players. That's why you should subscribe. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's that's our weekly PSA right now. Just uh, get rid of your roster cluggers. Is <laughs> it really is like? By the way, Darrell Henderson got picked up by seventy-two and a half thousand people this week. He's rostered in two percent of leagues. He's not even on an active roster. <laughs> like they must be those really deep leagues. Like I've got one of those leagues where it's like literally anyone that goes on the waiver wire, you just go and add because there's yeah. no one ever on the waiver wire. But I mean, like it's just wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I think um, it might be in the red zone in one of our home leagues, Murph, I added him because my running back situation is so bad that if there's someone with even a sniff of a lace somewhere in the NFL, I'm going to add him at that point. But, um, okay, let's talk statistical trends that we're going to monitor. Let's talk about the new Darren Waller in, I almost said Oakland. Let's talk about Las Vegas' tight end, Michael Meyer. Yeah, so yeah, he's a player I really liked in college. Um, not a player I have too much exposure to in redraft because I just don't believe in picking up too many rookie uh, tight ends, although Sam Laporta is, is definitely throwing that theory out to bed. So, um, But Michael Mayer looks like he might do as well. Um, he's up to 67% of routes run. Um, so the week before, he'd ran 49%, which was a season high. So it's now a season high, 67%. He's also posting in the last two games uh, three uh, yards... Uh, it's, ah, I've got my mouth tongue here. Um, so he's got he's posting yeah three yards per per, per run, um, which is quite a significant amount. It doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it really is quite significant. Like a three yards per route run, and in, in like the field of where he's playing in that tight end position. Because keep in mind that um, he where he's playing, he's obviously a bit of a safety blanket. The breaking news is that Jimmy Garoppolo is out this week, so they're going to go with, I guess, Brian Hoyer. Um, so I expect Michael Myers' trend to continue to go up. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, I would be adding Michael Mayer. I said this earlier, and I said it on the waiver wire. It's probably – I'd add him over about everyone but eight tight ends in the league right now, eight or nine. I just don't – I don't see – like, for me, I'm looking for a high – a high outcome opportunity at tight end. And I'm just not really seeing that many tight ends producing high outcomes. Like for me, he's over Cole Komet. He's over Tyler Higby. Um, he's over a lot of players for me. Um, just because I see the opportunity that he can, he can produce um, and his ceiling. Like he's better than anybody on your waivers right now by a, by a country mile. If I'm just going to go to the top 12 tight ends this season. Um, for some reason, it's not loading, which is great. Um, 
Vampire end this season. Yeah. Just there's nothing okay. to see here. Thanks, Sleeper. Uh, as always, right there for me in the clutch when I need it most. Um, so I've got it here now. We have top 12 tight ends. This is just a PPR league. This is the first league on Sleeper. I've got, like you, a bajillion leagues on Sleeper. So the scoring could be slightly skewed, but it is Neil Elliott's standard uh, tournament. So I think it is pretty standard PPR, standard um, roster spots. And it goes Kelsey, Laporta, Hawkinson, Andrews, Cole Komet at five. Yeah, but he's uh, going to take a decline. So whatever. But yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, Evan that Ingram tells you how six. bad it is. Okay. Yeah, I'm Evan talking. Ingram at six. Uh, Dalton Schultz at seven. George Kittle at eight. Jonu Smith at nine. Tells Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard at ten. Waller at eleven. And Kyle Pitts. As if the Falcons have two top twelve fantasy relevant tight ends when they are trash. Yeah, but that but that's everything. Like Kyle Pitts even at twelve is not that good. Like. um so Goddard, Goddard, I'm kind of 50-50 on. You would hope it gets better, but it, you know, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, Jolton Salt, I'm keeping because I talk about him in a bit. Um, but yeah, outside of him, Kittle and everyone else, yeah, you, these guys can go. Like, you can just uh, get rid of them. Um, it's mad, like, looking down this list right now because Johnny Smith's obviously ninth. He's he's on yeah, the waivers. But that's not, gonna, um, that's not sustainable for me. No, no. Or that also people... tells you how bad it is. Yeah, but people have still got Gerald Everett, Luke Musgrave, David and Joko all rostered. Yeah. Um, uh, so for me, Myers over all those. Myers over all those players. Oconquero, if you're still owning Oconquero, I can't help you. He should have been gone weeks ago. <laughs> should have been right, gone weeks go. ago. Let me leave. <laughs> should have uh, been gone weeks ago. Um, yeah. So anyway. There you go. There's so there's some there's some players to yeah. Michael Mayer uh, trending upwards for me. Really like it. Um, I'd be definitely taking a big shot on him, uh, given the Titan position is garbage. Um, let's talk about JSN because as a player, I actually talked about um, would potentially like I'm out on uh, for the season because I'm just not seeing enough. Um, but actually, you know, he's up to eighty one percent of routes run, seven point six A dot. Um, which are season highs on Sunday against um, the Bengals. Um, it was also another big shot. Uh, he ran downfield. It was wide open. Geno Smith just didn't get the ball to him. Um, so, you know, Pete Gower even openly discussed that particular play in his press conference. Um, so we're seeing um, we're seeing a bigger role for JSN than I kind of expected it to be. It's not at the expense of anyone, um, which is interesting. They just seem to be integrating him a lot more um so i think he's one to watch i'm not necessarily putting him in the starting lineup yet but he's definitely seeing an increase in role so if people have dropped jsn uh, i think he's about 70 percent owned um it might be worth a sneaky ad just to see if he does usurp someone there because it's definitely starting to trend upwards like he's going to have a relevant role but he's not quite seeing the results yet but the results are coming so I think you might see a decent week out of JSN relatively soon. And they've had the buy. It's another advantage. You don't have a bye week to suffer with him later on. So uh so about Brees Hall. Oh, go ahead. No, you were spot you were spot on, Murph. I've seventy one percent ownership on JSN just off the top of your head. Pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Um I think I saw it earlier. I think that's the only reason it stuck in my head. Uh Brees Hall. Um so right, on the bye this week, not much to say, but actually season high 
in snaps and uh, percentage of routes run. Uh, 62% of snaps he played, 59% uh, routes uh, he ran on. Uh, got a nice sort of bump in high-value targets in the last couple of weeks, so his role is getting bigger and bigger. We're starting to see him sort of decimate the rest of the running back room. They're starting to open the tap up. I think now he's got the bye. We should see a lot more in week eight. So if you've been a bit um, underwhelmed by Hall's performance, expect there to be a pretty decent uh, uplift after the bye. Let's talk about the Vikings. Obviously, they lost um, Justin Jefferson. So what we're seeing here is a very narrow uh, attacking tree. So as we said last week, it's Jordan Addison, it's KJ Osborne and TJ Hawkinson. Um, so basically Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne both ran hundred percent route. So they were on the field the whole time. Um, and then TJ Hawkinson, uh, obviously is going to have a large show, a large, um, presence. The only other player that got a target in this game from the wide receiver or tight end court was Brandon Powell. So anyone else is just irrelevant, uh, in that offense. So, but it's very much centered on Addison and Osborne and Hawkinson right now. Powell, not quite an ad, but he would be the next guy up if something was to happen to Addison or Osborne. So just keep an eye on him. I'm not saying you need to add him, but if you're in a deep league, I would be adding him, definitely. But if you're in a shallow league, he's a player I'd put on a watch list somewhere. Um, Quinton Johnson, I keep talking about him, not a thing. Keep saying he's not a thing and people keep adding him. I see him in, I saw him, believe it or not, in waiver wire columns this week. People and this was granted. This was before Monday Night Football, so they were played on Monday Night Football. Which, by the way, it annoyed me on Monday Night Football when they showed that Chargers woman um, with the celebration and the crying. Clearly, a plant from the NFL, right, to generate memes and clicks. But everyone jumped on it. I'm like, talk about the game. Why do we care about a fan? Like, it was just wild. I literally within. Two hours of that game ending, I must have seen about a hundred tweets with that video of that woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on now. But anyway, besides the point, I saw Jordan, I saw Quinton Johnston in a lot of waiver wire, in a few waiver wire comms and waiver wire videos. Um, even one of my employers put him in a in a waiver wire column of a must add this week. Let me tell you, do not do it. So before the buy which was in week five, he had 71% routes run. And then on Monday Night Football, he ran 49%. A massive drop. So you think like, oh, after the bye, it's going to come out. It's all going to be Quinton Johnson time. He's not a thing. He's not a thing. Get rid of him off your roster. If he blows up in week 13, so be it. But you are going to have to wait a very long time for him to do anything. When you coming off a bye where they've had an opportunity to work on things, he sees a significant root drop in a game which was fairly close. I'm just saying it's not a good look. It's not a good look. They were trading <laughs> in that game. They didn't go to him. It's Josh Palmer. It's it's Keenan Allen. Quentin Johnston, not a thing. He's not a thing. You he, if you still got him on your rosters, he need to go. Um, it will. I've got no doubt by the end of the season, he will have some role to play. I've got no doubt in it. But if, unless you are six and oh, or five and one, you cannot hold him because you need the roster spot. Unless you're in a deep yeah. league. And I'm, by the way, I'm excluding Dynasty in this. 
not a dynasty conversation. This is a redraft conversation. If you have a 16 bench, you are four wins or fewer. You cannot hold Quinton Johnston and hope it comes good. This is where you lose leagues. Yes, he might blow up for the final four games of the season. He might be a thing for the final four games of the season. He might be great in the fantasy playoffs, but he's not going to get you there. You have to get to the playoffs first before you can worry about the playoffs. If you're six and zero, oh, you're five and one, or you're four and two, and you're the top scorer in your league, have at it, hold him. In any other scenario, he need to go because you need the roster spot to get you into the playoffs. So you need to cut him. Um, Craig Reynolds um, talked about him. He is the guy to own when Dave Montgomery's out. Dave Montgomery might be out multiple weeks. I would expect him to be out the next two weeks because of the bye the week after uh, in week nine for the Lions. So he's already been ruled out for this week. I wouldn't expect him back in week eight. I think they're going to let him get healthy. The Lions are first place in the division. Um, they should be okay. Craig Reynolds did a very, very good job standing in against a pretty tough Bucks uh, run defense. He also, I don't know if you saw the Amon Ra St. Brown touchdown, uh, an amazing block so that Amon Ra St. Brown scored. That's the sort of thing that gets you on the field constantly. So I know Jamar Gibbs is back. I'm not worried about Jamar Gibbs for Craig Reynolds' sake. If Craig Reynolds is still free in your league, I'd be adding him as much as possible. Um, I think he's got a role for a couple of weeks, and then I think he is the upside play when David Montgomery is out. He's already had a couple of injuries this year now, so there's likelihood that there could be another one later on in the season. I'd be adding Craig Reynolds and having him on as many rosters as I can. He is in high. He's a reasonably good upside sort of running back to play when um, David Montgomery's out. So keep an eye on him. Um, we talked about Arizona uh, last week and I said that Demacado is not really a guy I wanted to own too much of, that I thought uh, Keanate Ingram was going to be the guy. It's pretty much how it transpired. Keanate Ingram was the early down guy. Uh, Damian Williams was kind of the um, sort of two-minute offense, hurry-up drill kind of running back. And then Demacado um, got a bit in the negative script. But effectively, this is a committee. I wouldn't start yeah. any of them. If I had to start one at a push, it would be Ingram because he gets the early work. Demacado, I think, is droppable. Damian Williams. I just, I don't think any of those guys are really going to be the guy until James Conner comes back. I think they're going to run a committee. It's what they kind of showed us uh, last week. So be careful of that. Weekly Puka Nakua update. 29% target share in this game, um, which is phenomenal. Um, Cooper Cup had 38%. <laughs> so it shows you that even when Cooper Cup is going to dominate the target share, 38%, Nakua is still going to be a thing. Like he's still going to get a significant role in this offense. So, you know, I said it that I didn't think I was worried about his role. I thought it'd be heavily consolidated. Clearly, the way he's played in the time without Cup, and he's continued that with Cup, he is a he's a bona fide wide receiver play every single week until the end of the season. Um, so that's worth pointing out. The other thing I would say is uh, Nakua also had multiple end zone targets. So he is going to get targeted there. So that's a really good sign. If you're a Puka Nakua owner, uh, yeah, you're in, you're in a good spot there. Um, Kareem Hunt. Um, so he got the first running back touch, which made him the starter. That sent people wild to let's go and own Kareem Hunt. He's the starter. He's not the starter. It doesn't matter who gets the first touch. The, the, the starter is irrelevant in fantasy football, right? It's completely irrelevant who gets the first snap. 
and I take you back to a time when Ronald Jones and, and um, uh, Leonard Fournette were in the same team, and Ronald Jones probably started every single game for the Buccaneers their Super Bowl season. Um, Leonard Fournette was the guy to own that well, the season after in particular. So, you know, it doesn't matter who gets the first touch or the start. That just says they're going to carry the ball the first down, right? It, it It's the same as like limited practice is nothing to be. If a player is limited, it means they, they missed at least one play or one snap, right? But they could have just missed one and they're limited because they technically sat out. Um, so, you know, caution to it. Everyone's sitting there, add, oh, add Kareem Hunt. He's going to be a thing, right? He played 37% of snaps. Jerome Ford played 50% of snaps, 49% of snaps. Um, also, Ford got so much more work. He looked more explosive. He's still the guy to own there. If you want to own Kareem Hunt as a speculative ad, and then if something happens to Jerome Ford, I don't hate the play. If you're picking up Kareem Hunt thinking he's going to usurp Jerome Ford and he's going to be the guy, not going to happen, right? They cut him. For Jerome Ford. I said this ages ago. Jerome Ford is the guy to own. If you want to have Kareem Hunt as a speculative high upside ad, if something happens to Jerome Ford, I don't hate it. I don't hate that play. But don't sit there and stick him in your lineup every week expecting him to get points because that is where you're going to go downhill. Uh, Jonathan Moss, uh, Jack Moss, Jonathan Taylor, much closer in snaps and roots. Um, both had similar amounts of, in fact, they had the same amount of total touches and high value targets. Um, but I think we're going to start seeing, they've got a really tough schedule coming up the Colts from a run defense perspective. So I think you're going to see Jonathan Taylor usurp into that role. Do you have any questions or anything to add? No, no, I'm soaking it up. I'm just, uh, I'm listening and learning. Obviously, does that, does that running back room change with, Richardson having season-ending surgery now, like does does that affect them at all, or does that help them with? Uh, I think it gives them some volume. They have a really horrendous schedule from a running back perspective, one of the worst in the league. So when that happens, talent prevails. So yep. I'm not saying Zach Moss is a bad player, far from it. I was fully on board with adding him and keeping him, but I think when there's going to be limited opportunities for them to run the football they're not going to roll a 50-50 split. It's going to be... I still think Zach Moss has a role. I still think he can potentially be a thing. But I think ultimately, Jonathan Taylor is going to usurp into a majority role um, when he's fully... They paid him. So ultimately, they're going to be a little cautious. The only thing I would say with the Anthony Richardson injury is that probably kills... I don't think they were really a playoff team. But I think that injury kills any opportunity of them getting to the playoffs. And there's nothing as guard them into. He's going to throw the ball ball. It's going to be much better for fantasy football. But from a results on the field point of view, and I wasn't the biggest Anthony Richardson guy, by the way, but I think even <laughs> I admit that he gives them a better opportunity to win because of his flexibility than guard them yep. into. I think it's safe to say that the Jags are going to lock that division up pretty quickly. Um, and I would say that the Colts are not going to make the playoffs. And I don't think I'm being ridiculous in thinking that. Um, so I think what I would say is in that scenario, they might rest at any time that Jonathan Taylor isn't like 90% fit. They might take workload off him and not risk him because they've paid him now. That's the only thing I would say that the Anthony Richardson 
uh, injury might change. So Zach Moss is still worth owning, but you just got to lower expectations on him. Um, Dungeon Swift had eight receptions um, in their loss to the Jets, which is weird they lost to the Jets. He's already had as many receptions this season as any running back for the Eagles in the entire 2022 season, and it's week six. That's mad. That's mad. (laughs) So DeAndre Swift is a thing. He's a real thing. He's monopolizing that backfield, getting loads of high-value touches, getting loads of... um, Loads of receptions. It's phenomenal. Obviously, if he gets injured, Kenneth Gainwell is the next guy up. Don't worry about anyone else. If you if you still hold Rashad Penny, you can drop him. He's not a thing. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 28 total touches, 78% of snaps. So this whole, he's questionable. We're not sure if he's going to go. Is he going to go? Went down the wire. Oh, we're going to see how he is prior to game. The geezer was healthy. They played the system, <laughs> right? The Giants played the media. They played the system. The you don't get twenty-eight touches if you're just ready to go. Doesn't happen. And I know the Giants are crap. And I know they've got no real offensive threat or outlook. And they didn't have Daniel Jones and all of this malarkey, right? I don't care. The fact is that he was healthy. He was 100% healthy or 95% healthy because you don't get that kind of workload when you're 50-60% healthy. So this whole game time decision thing was a load of crap. It was a load of crap. I said this in a column for Pro Football uh, Network on the Sunday. I expected him to go. I expected him to have... I did have him as an an RB2, a volume-based RB2. I think that's about where he ended up. Um, But ultimately, the Giants lied. (laughs) There was no way he was game time decision. That's absolute nonsense. So, uh, yeah, shame on you, the Giants, right? If I was the GM of the Giants, and that's a long going joke going back about six years or whatever it is now, um, I wouldn't allow that kind of behavior. I'm just going to tell you out there now. I don't think there's a competitive. I don't think you can gain a competitive advantage when you're best player and saying, oh, he might not play. He might play. Listen, he played. Um, I talked about this already. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's absolutely dominating uh, all the play, all the target share in Washington. Curtis Samuel, it's just basically bye-bye Jahar Dotson, right? He just, you can hold him if you can afford to hold him, but don't expect the situation to change anytime soon. That offense is running quite well. It's purring quite nicely with Logan Thomas, with Curtis Samuel, with uh, Terry McLaurin. And as I said, it's not a good sign Jahar Dotson uh, running with a special teams unit today. Like if mm. if and 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 I wrote the show doc yesterday, so I hadn't even seen that until today. That tells me everything I need to know. Jahar Dotson is don't be surprised if he gets traded. <laughs> by the way, I wanted to get your reaction on this. Jerry Judy potentially being a cult by the end of the window. <laughs> I, I it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me because we said it last week, Jerry Judy was going to be traded. And we said at the start of the season, he's one of the people who the Broncos are looking to trade or talking about trading. Um, I actually think it's, it's a, for him, it's a good move because obviously Pittman's the big X outside guy. Um, and Judy, Judy can run from the slot as the Y and then you can put, um, oh, they got Josh Downs. Yeah, they've got Josh Downs and Alec Pierce. 
No, Josh Downs is clearly their slot guy, and Judy can play on the outside, so I don't think it would be the worst move for him going to the Colts. But I don't get why they do it now. Now they've lost Richardson. I don't get why they do it now. Was was that news before or after Richardson? Today. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen it today. Yeah, literally um, today. Yeah, I don't know. Value or monetary wise, maybe there's something there that they need to get done before the deadline. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I I would see that as a strange move now. I get it in the off season, but I don't get it now. Because I don't think the Colts have got maybe they're just thinking we don't want to get into a competitive market in the off season. We can secure well, that, it now that, and get it done. Yeah. That could be that, that be could it. be as you're saying. That could be the reason. I guess, so I guess if he is their guy, it would be prudent for them to go and get him now while it's not a competitive market, like you say. Go and get the guy you, you actually want rather than have to fight for him later on. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say. That makes sense. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I've got quite a few to uh, to rattle through stat-wise, so that's, I'm going to rattle through the next few in record speed. Rashi Rice, he's the guy I want to own in Kansas City. He's back up to 50% of roots, and I think with Justin Watson's injury, he's going to benefit uh, from that and get increased roots. He looked really good last week, so um, he's the guy I, I'd want to own going forward. Gus Edwards is, is kind of the guy in um, Baltimore. 61% of snaps played, 49% roots run, um, and he had all the running back touches inside the 10. So uh, it's tough. Like I don't think there's a lot of love there, but I think he's a flex play. Um, he's definitely the guy to potentially own uh, in that backfield. It kind of swings every couple of weeks, but at the moment it's definitely uh, Edwards over Hill. Um, Stefan Diggs is just a monster right now. Um, I just put huge, I just put huge dominant target hog. Yeah, I mean, like he's just a monster. Really, Stefan Diggs, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of like staying the obvious. I guess my point on that, and I and I put it in here, was just more the fact of, like, if you own Gabe Davis, he is a start-sit decision every single week. It depends on matchup. And they've got some tough matchups coming up. That's kind of why I put this in here, is a PSA that if you own um, if you own Gabe Davis, he's a start-sit. If you own any other receiver in this offense, you can drop him. Um, that's my, kind of my point. Uh, Juba Hubbard did really well uh, with Nomar Sanders. 76% snap share. looked good. Um, didn't get that many high-value touches, but he you know, he got 20 touches, which is pretty good. I think he did all right. Um, going to be interesting. There's a lot of talk that he's going to usurp Miles Sanders. I don't see it. Um, so if you know a Miles Sanders owner, I would try and buy low um, and do that. Uh, Damian Pierce is clearly... There's something going on with Damian Pierce. There's something clearly going on. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if people aren't disclosing it. He only ran 23% of routes. Uh, Devin Singletree hit 50% of routes. Run. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know what's yeah. going on there, but there's something going on. They're on a buy this week. Could be a one-off, but there is definitely if if Damian Pierce isn't getting the receiving work and they're not and they're a pass first offense and they don't really run the ball that much, Damian Pierce is like a fade. So it's like, and he was drafted reasonably high. You know, you were drafting him to be a starter stash of running back three. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be a little careful here. This is not a good sign, a good trend for Damian Pierce. So if you're Damian Pierce owner, you should be a little bit, I've got quite a bit of him. I'm a bit worried about it right now. Uh, he's on by this week. So we'll punt it another week. Uh, we'll see what happens. 
Um, Drake London, 26% target share. Um, so they pass the ball a lot more, uh, Atlanta, when they do. That's good news for Drake London. So fingers crossed that Arthur Smith gets his act together and they realize that, hey, we've got really good receiving weapons. We've got Bijan Robinson. We've got Drake London. We've got two tight ends. Um <laughs> Why Janu Smith is a thing, I don't understand. Uh, anyway, but they have weapons. They just traded for Van Jefferson for some weird reason. Uh, good luck to them. They're, let's hope that continues for Drake London. Um, Alexander Matson is just basically he's blown Cam Akers out of the water. Cam Akers is not a thing. You can drop Cam Akers. Um, this was a 22 to 2 touch. <laughs> Alexander Matson, 22 touches. Cam Akers, 2. Cam Akers, not a thing. He can go. No. If he's on your roster, Cut bait. You're only holding him because you drafted him high. He can go. He can. You can cut him. He's not worth anything anymore. No one's going to trade you for him. He's not going to have a high value role if Alexander Matson gets injured because that's not really a run first uh, offense. It's still not a run. First. I mean, yes, it was great. Alexander Matson had 22 touches. Hey, guess what? He was not great. <laughs> he had 20 minus 21 yard rushing yards over expected. I mean, like these are the sorts of numbers we see out of Tampa Bay backs. Um, but Alexander Madison is right up there in terms of one of the worst backs in the league in terms of rushing yards overexpected. Negative 21. That is not good. He, he ran 21 yards less than he should have done. That's ultimately mm. what that is telling you. So he's not good. He's not been good all season. That rushing attack has not been good all season. I don't want too many pieces of it. I don't. I mean, I don't have any Alexander Madison in all my many leagues. I don't have one bit of Alexander Madison. I'm quite happy with that. Ultimately, Cam Akers, not a thing. If if he cannot usurp Alexander Matheson, who is minus 21 rushing yards over expected on performance, he ain't ever getting a chance. And even when he does, nope. it, it's not going to be good. So get rid of Cam Akers. He can go. Bye-bye. Get rid. Cut loose. Do what you got to do. He's got to go. Uh, Kenneth Walker, 74% snap share, season high. He has basically blown Zach Charbonnet out of the water. Zach Charbonnet is a hold because that value, that role is quite valuable. And Kenneth Walker did get injured last year, but you're holding him, in, unfortunately, in the hopes of an injury. I kind of thought that would be a committee by the end of the season. Doesn't trend that way at all. So um, definitely one that we kind of expected to happen that's not going to happen. Uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, in his last two games, 17 targets, two um 11 receptions sorry in his last two games he in his previous four games he had 17 targets and 10 receptions so he's getting a lot more work and that's at the expense of robert woods who fades completely the other way robert woods is now cuttable in leagues um all that work is going to dalton schultz so you can get rid of him um alvin kamara had an 80 percent snap share which is a season high 23 receptions in his three games that's I mean, 30, like 11 or 11 of them was on his return or 13 or whatever it was. So, yeah, strong reception uses. This is what I mean. Jamal Williams, everyone else behind like Everyone's like, oh, Jamal Williams is back tonight. I don't care. Not a thing. Uh, not a thing. It's always Alvin Kamara there. So that's fine. Um, Jalen Waddle had 99 air yards. Um, was season high. He'd have had more, but they pulled him because they were so far ahead of Carolina. So uh, that was good. Um, one player I want to talk about uh, is Trey Palmer of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had 154 air yards. Um, so he is the deep threat, especially as I think Mike Evans is still struggling a tiny bit with that hamstring. I don't think it's bad. Like he played, he played a lot. Um, but Trey Palmer is potentially a thing. Um, 
he's someone that if you're in a deep league, he's a deep stash. I would I would stash him. He's going to be very much a boom or bust. He is a deep threat, but he's the sort of guy that could have like a a three for 135 a one slash two day. Like that's the sort of stat line you're going to get out of him. He's a bit like a uh, uh, Shahid from New Orleans. He's kind of going to be this boom or bust play. He's either going to score big points or he's not going to score at all, but he does get in the box. He has scored a touchdown this season. I think he's got two touchdowns this season. Um, he is very, very good at the contested catch. He's not a big player, but he's very, very good um, at contested catches. And he's done really well to work his way into this offense. So Either if something happens to Mike Evans or if this team gets more vertical, which I think it will do, Trey Palmer is a bit of a sneaky add in a deep league. I'm not adding him in a five or six bench league, but definitely if you've got the bench spaces or in Dynasty, you've got the spaces to to burn, Trey Palmer is a thing. I would add him. Um, Adam Phelan had eight catches in the first half. Um, ADOT was good. Uh, a dot was up to 9.2, so things look really good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with, with what he's doing. Um, Colts, uh, Colts, so the, the Gardner Minchie thing. So we talked about tempo, it's nice that we're going to end pretty much with play tempo because that's kind of where we started with, with the Titans, right? Um, Gardner Minchie makes them play more plays. <laughs> Ultimately, it's the same way we talked about this a few weeks ago with Andy Dalton. They've passed the ball a lot more. They, they have more plays. Uh, the, when you get a quarterback that's played quite a bit, they know how to get the tempo up. And Gardner Minshew is definitely getting that tempo up for um, for the Colts, which means more plays. They, they're going to have more touches, more high-value touches. Things are all going to trend upwards in, as a fantasy offense. So Josh Downs is a thing. Um, if they trade for Jerry Judy, he'll be a thing. Michael Pittman's going to be a thing. You know, Jonathan Taylor will be a thing. These are all good. This is the one thing with Anthony Richardson's injury is everyone gets a slight boost because they'll run more plays. There will be more plays for this offense to eat on, which is good. Um, The Broncos only had 22 pass attempts when they lost, which I don't understand. (laughs) <laughs> like you've got Russell Wilson, you traded for Russell Wilson, you bring in Sean Payton, and I don't like Sean Payton, but he is a good offensive coach. And they throw the ball twenty-two times. I don't know what's going on, man. Uh, I just, for me, I'm fading the whole offense. <laughs> I just, fade the, just fade Denver as an organization. Yeah, I just think yeah. I think you've got to. I think you've got to fade the whole. I don't think there's anyone there. I Cortland Sutton was was for me the last hope. But you've got a running back committee which is three wide, which no one is getting anything out of. because uh, yep. Jaleel McLaughlin is now like succeeded Samaji P. Ryan, who still gets touches. Um, so that is a three-way committee of running backs. No one's getting anything of value there. Russell Wilson's throwing the ball 22 times. That's not going to get you any points. And then you've got then then the offense, like the uh, tight end situation's murky with Adam Troutman and Greg Dulcich, and then you've got um, the wide receivers, Jerry Judy's not getting any work, and then Cortland Sutton's kind of getting some work, but he basically Cortland Sutton is a touchdown or bust play. <laughs> that is it. That's all you've got in this offense, so that you can't really go with any of them. Um, Dolphins are awesome, right? Uh, right now on offense, so um, 16 high value touches as a team, which is just mental. 
um yeah they're just awesome putting up loads of points you've got to have as many pieces of that we talked about jeff Wilson last week you had to add him uh trey mcbride is pretty much almost on par with zach Ertz. we talked about this last week zach Ertz fallen 52 percent trey mcbride 48 percent. i would still get michael mayer but trey mcbride is sort of ascending upwards which is good um by the way chase claypool um now he's gone uh tyler scott was the next man up in um chicago i think where it was there 64 percent roots in place of uh chase claypool so it could be that tyler scott could be the next back or the next wide receiver to own uh behind dj Moore, but their schedule's pretty bad i wouldn't but if he's gonna run 62 percent routes and it goes up to 70 80 percent of routes we might have to keep an eye on Tyler Scott. If you're in a super deep league, like in one of those really stupid leagues that like I mentioned earlier, where no one uh, ever comes up on the waiver wire because everyone's gone, um, Tyler Scott will probably be free. I'm like to think he's probably 0% owned. I'm going to look it up now. Um, but if you're no. looking for a player that's 0% owned, uh, let's see what he is. Tyler Scott. He's got to be close gone. to 0 Tyler Scott is 0% owned. We did it, folks. We found a player 0% owned. Tyler Scott, if you're the super, stupid, stupid deep league, you might as well add Tyler Scott because he might be a thing. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But, hey, this is what this show is. You want to find a super deep sleeper that might come out of nowhere? Uh, Tyler Scott um, could potentially be that one. I didn't give Trey Palmer's ownership. I reckon, and I don't know this, I reckon it's around 5%. Ah, 2%. And he's gone up 1% this week. So, there you go. We've given you a 2% sleeper and a 0% sleeper. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. All I, that's Every time somebody says you're welcome, I just get Moana in my head. Just the rock singing, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> the curse of having a small child and Disney Plus. But um, Nailed it. Yeah, that was good. Matt, I have a question. It's on nothing you've just talked about. Not that I wasn't listening, but uh, a dynasty question. What's your thoughts on trading super late, I say late, super future picks for a player? So a 25 and a 26 first for CD Lamb, that sort of trade. Um, Are you contending? It's not me. I haven't done it. Um, a, a, contend- a, a contending team, a contending team has traded for Lamb and given up the twenty-five and twenty-six there to a team that is absolutely gutting their team of players, but they're doing it with picks that are twenty-five and twenty-six as opposed to any many twenty-fours. So essentially, for the next two years, they're not really going to have the competing team. They're just going to have a squad of. Um, old people and waiver wire ads in a really deep dynasty league. So they're going to be essentially a free win every week. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't hate it. And yeah, I, 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 I think it's fine. Like I think um, if you believe you're in a win now window over the next two years, um, I don't hate it. Obviously you have to win because if you don't win the next two years, you've got no firsts to rebuild with for the following two years. So yep. I think that's fine to swallow if you're going to win. <laughs> um, to be fair, he, the guy, he, he, did, he did win it last year. Um, okay. 
has he has got a really good team. It was more from the side of win. the other team selling somebody for picks that are well in advance. Oh, uh, got you. Okay. Um, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Um, I would try and get sooner picks, and I think a player like CD Lamb, I don't think you couldn't have got a twenty-four and a twenty-five first. Um, no. Having said that, it is an offense that's not great uh, at the moment. Um, you need another change there. I, look, I, I don't hate it because you're acquiring future wealth, but I I would have if you're in that tank mode, you want to get twenty twenty-four firsts um ultimately but if that was the best offer on the table and that might have been the best offer it might be the team that that took him didn't have a 2024 first and it was actually well i'm going to get two firsts over a first and a second and actually i would much rather have two firsts than a first and a second even if that second might have been sooner so if it was like a 2024 second 2025 first i'd rather take the 25 and 26 first yes it's into the future but you've got in Dynasty, realistically, you're only looking at every single uh, draft class, like 10 or 12 relatively good to decent fantasy prospects, and everyone else outside yeah. that's a gamble, and you're really at a low percentage shot. Even in the second round, it's a very low percentage to try and get there. Um, so at least that way, he's got multiple firsts in each year, so he has the option. He has a lot more options to him where he could trade up to get... Uh, a superstar, he might be able to go from like three to one and get the best player in the draft and trade the other first or whatever. He, You give yourself options or he could trade that future first. Like it gets to 25, he might be able to trade that 26 first to get up in a draft or to get another player, whatever he wants to do. So I always like having the first because it gives you options. So if that was yeah. the best offer, I'd rather have had the 24 and a 25. But if that was the best offer on the table, I, I would rather take the 25 and 26 First over a 24 second and a 25th first. So yeah, I just think I that it. Gives, you, I... gives you more options to deal in the future um, yeah. or to acquire better players. But it is a long way. It does mean that if your situation doesn't change, your 2024 outlook is going to be just as rough as your 2023 outlook. So you're investing in like a three to four year plan, which I don't love from a dynasty perspective. I get people that want to do it. But I stick to this principle of I don't know if my league is going to be going in four years. Yeah. So I always try and rebuild within two or push all in. Yeah. Because I just my, think I, my... I don't want like and maybe this is why I'm a slightly different fantasy player to everybody else in Dynasty. I just don't believe that my fantasy league is going to live for four years unless it's like yeah. a home league and you've been playing in it for 10 years and it, it's got that provability that it's going to last. I just and I'm just super cynical. That's just me. I'm just a very cynical person. I just think the world and everybody's world changes every few years. And I just think that yeah. look at all the dynasty leagues that started in the pandemic. How many of them have folded? I don't mm. know what the number is. I'm going to guess it's over thirty percent. And yeah. I think I'm conservative there. I think for so, me, the my my main concern with the trade was that because it's only a ten team, it's a super deep ten team league. And this guy is blowing his team up for future picks. It's going to get to the point where he's basically a free win for every team every week because yeah. he's future bought so much. And yeah. I, th I just think if there's playoff implications because of that, or somebody he wants to then leave, somebody else leaves the league, and then somebody comes in and they haven't got any picks, or 
I just think it, for instance, he, he, he messaged, I got Tyler Algier and he messaged me saying any interest in trading him and offered me two twenty four third round picks. Um, running backs, I mean, the running backs are stupid value, but I said, well, I tell you what, you give me a 24 second, which because his team is so bad is essentially the 201. And I'll walk yeah. away with that happy because Algier is not going to get in my side really because of Bijan. Mm. He's a handcuff. And he's just counted it with a 2026 20, second. So I'm, I'm not going to take a second for 2026 20, for Algier now. It just doesn't make no. sense. No. Um, um, yeah, I think I, I get your point. Um, ultimately, yeah, if you the bigger worry isn't the fact that this guy is a free win every week in the league. I, that, I think that happens. I And I think does, in Dynasty, does. you have to let that happen. The bigger worry I would have, especially if it's a free league, is that this guy leaves and then finding someone to take this team on and play with it in 2024 if there's not a lot of 2024 rebuild value. You have to be a really kind of special person to take that on. Um, yeah. And yeah, okay, you got the 25 and the 26 firsts, but you're basically saying, hey, you're going to have a really crap year and you have to kind of be a special kind of person to take that on. Um, yeah, uh, I just wanted tough. to get I wanted to get your yeah. your opinion on it. it was was I, all... listen, I don't I don't love it, but I think ultimately, at least the person is trying to do something about winning, and that's I think where you've got to you've got to try and give the 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 owner the benefit of the doubt. Yes, they're blowing up their team, but at least he's getting firsts. If he was blowing up for thirds and fourths. That would really concern me. That would be like, okay, this guy's just a joker. He's just a joke. But if the guy's getting first, and yes, they're quite a bit in the future, at least that says to me he's trying to win. On the back of it, two firsts for CD Lamb. I get they're in the future. That's not a bad offer. That's not, I mean, it's not a bad offer. That 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 is a, a reasonable offer. It's not stupid. And I get that if that was the best offer on the table, I get why you would take it. Um but I also think that you get owners that kind of, they might be quite new to dynasty and think about this like five year grandeur plan. I'm going to dominate in five years. I just, I have this cautionary tale that your league might not be around in five years and I am cynical. Yeah. I get it, but just most dynasty leagues don't make five years. They just don't. Um, so I think you just got to be a little careful. I just think you, you kind of have to have this balance of, you have to let it happen, but you also have to make sure this guy's going to commit at least until 2025. Because yeah. if he doesn't... It also, it, 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 two firsts for CD Lamb also prices out Jamar Chase and JJ Jefferson, because at that point, you're not going to want to sell for less than that, or no, even not. that, and people aren't going to want to give you three firsts. Well, they're both so... better. They're both better than... than, than... CD Lamb right now. They're both better than CD Lamb right now, and they're both in a better and they're both in a better offense. Here's a question that's just come in, and it's lucky because we're just about to wrap up. In Superflex, would you always play an average QB starter like Minshew over a running back wide receiver three, such as Rashad Wright or Josh Downs? Um scoring. Has to be scoring. Uh, yeah, I I would probably always lean. I'd probably always lean yes. I think there's a line of demarcation. I would say Minshew because the passing volume would get the nod over White and Downs for me. Um, 
I would say the line of demarcation is probably round about probably north of Baker Mayfield. QB 20, QB 2020, QB 20, QB 21 is kind of where I'd have to start looking at it on a situation by situation basis. And I think Minchu's kind of around that range. So I would still lean Minchu, I think because of the passing volume. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm just going to pull up. I do you know what? I'm going to give you the line now. It moves every week um, within reason, but I'll give you a, a rough line. Um, like because like Geno Smith is like QB twenty three right now in overall, and I've definitely played Geno Smith there, and like he's had the toughest schedule or one of the toughest schedules. Uh, right, I'm just going to go into uh, scoring. So right, uh, right, uh, it's a weird one because you got like Desmond Ritter at QB seventeen because he's had two really good weeks in the last two weeks. Uh, Josh Dobbs at eighteen because of his rushing. Prescott at 19. So Baker's at 20 and he's at a bye. So that's interesting. Uh, but you got Burrow at 22, Smith at 23. Garoppolo's got a really good schedule coming up at 24. Although he's out this week. Uh, and Derek Carr, I would play. So I would say, okay, the line is Derek Carr and below. So I'd play Derek Carr. I wouldn't play Wilson. I wouldn't play Jones. I wouldn't play Bryce Young. I At this point, I wouldn't play Daniel Jones. He's out anyway, I think. I wouldn't play Kenny Pickett. I wouldn't play Ryan Tannehill. I... Deshaun Watson is QB 32, but he's missed two games and then the bye. Uh, but he, I would play over, um, I would play over those players. Um, I think Minshew's kind of got a up and down. He's QB 33 because his high week is 13 points. Um, but I think it will get better. 12.6 points um, because he threw interceptions. Um I think it will get better the more time he has. It's a new offense for him. So I, I feel okay because the passing volume. So I, I would say like I'm not playing like Tyson Badgett or Aiden O'Connell or uh, Brian Hoyer. And I'm not playing Tannehill Pickett, Jones, Young, Mac Jones, uh, or Daniel Jones at the moment, Zach Wilson. Uh, but everyone else, Baker Mayfield, touch and go, depends on the matchup for me. He's got uh, the Falcons. So that's maybe not one I'm too married to. But everyone else, I would definitely be playing in that slot. There you go. I'll ask you a question right until the end, and Murph shall answer. That's just how we do it at Five Yard. Right, Rush Nation, let's wrap this up. Head over to Manscaped, use the code Five Yard for 20% off and free shipping. Follow Murph on X at Murph underscore NFL. Follow the podcast at Five Yard Rush. Head over to Patreon for £1 a month. You can subscribe to the Patreon cast. There's a whole load of information. There's a WhatsApp group. It's a pound a month. How many weeks? Is it? <clears throat> it's like £10 for the rest of the season, basically. A bit more, but we can... No, it's not even that. Dip. For the rest of the season, it's like £4. Well, there you go. It's, uh, I think you've got to pay VAT. So, because uh, <laughs> we don't get... Not that we get the VAT. So, I think it's like maybe £1.20 a month with the VAT. Um, so, you're basically paying like a fiver for the rest of the season. Five pounds, rest of season. Get involved, Rush Nation. It's been a while. My voice is going, as you could probably hear. I'm getting husky. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Murph, catch you down the road, big man. Enjoy the rest of your week. I know you're off next week, so uh, do enjoy, but I will chat to you anyway. Rush yes. Nation, this is going to do it for this week's show. Enjoy week seven.
plenty of football still to go. Until next week, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.